Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are at the starting gate of another fantastic show. Today is the 22nd of June, 2020, and it's 6.36 p.m. Boy, I'm worn out already. <laughs> anyway, um, we uh, have a, an interesting show tonight. Um, we're going we're gonna to banter back and forth, or maybe just talk back and forth, about um, who, do, who do we have faith in? Who's your daddy, basically? Um, and in that, we're going to talk about uh, let's start out with a little little background here. We, the three of us, we all we're all QAnon people. Okay, we we read QAnon, we listen to QAnon, and uh, and and we do trust the plan. Okay. Um, however, I, I've noticed that when some people write, especially when I'm on on a Twitter or or on um, oh, you're not supposed to know I have another Twitter account. Oops. Um, or or when we're on par, I'm on parlor and stuff like that. I, I see a lot of times I see things, uh, have faith in the plan, have faith in Q, you know, and stuff like that. And call me crazy, but, you know, ever since I was a young Christian, I've always been taught to have faith in God and everything else. You just kind of, it goes along with it or doesn't go along with God, you know. Um, so when I hear things like that, it, you know, it kind of, um, it just kind of, makes my ears open up or maybe, maybe since I'm reading, it makes my eyes get wider or something like that. And, and I got a, I got a question, you know, and I, mainly I questioned myself um, because, you know, it's like, who do I have faith in? You know, am I trusting this plan so much that I, I'm losing sight of what God is trying to do. Um, I start questioning myself, does, is God in this plan? And if he is, um, I have to have faith in him more than to have faith in anything else. So basically, um, I kind of was just thinking about it while we were all talking. Oh, let me introduce. Sorry, I get carried away. Jim and, and Eric, how you doing, guys? Um, yeah, hi. Uh, from Detroit, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, I'm I'm doing okay, Dave. Thanks for asking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going. I was just taking off on this, and I was like, wait a minute. There's two other people involved here. But you're um, a man on a mission. Yeah. So I. I, I I have to question myself, and and when I question myself, I start questioning other things too. So, but uh, basically, I've, I've tried to be a very circumspect person, and I know that Eric and Jim are too. You know, we're, we're always searching ourselves to see if what we're doing is right, if what we're saying is right. And we've said probably a thousand times on this radio show that if we're saying something wrong and it's not backed up by Scripture, you have a duty and a right to let us know right away. Uh, because we're human beings and we're not perfect. Uh, uh, humanity's in a fallen state. Uh, society's in a <laughs> very fallen state. Um, and, you know, we, I'd like to think that we're, we're batting probably, you know, 900, but, you know, maybe that's a prideful thing and we're, we're batting less. But anyway, we need to, <clears throat> we need your input too, because we, we don't want to make a mistake. And, and I, I'll disappoint people. I know I will in this life and I'll, uh, I'll disappoint my family probably in some things in this life and and they're people too i'm not saying that they're not um but the person i don't want to disappoint is is our heavenly father you know and because i'm gonna i'm gonna eric's gonna jim's gonna and, and many of you hopefully all of you are going to be spending eternity with with this father and with uh with our lord jesus christ and and uh you know offending somebody that um, you know, 
is in this temporal world, if, if it's something that they're offended by and we haven't done anything wrong, there's no big deal about it. But offending, offending God is something that I really, really, really don't want to do. And I know you guys are the same. And, um, so to be circumspect is good and, and to be circumspect about the things that we're, um, we're getting into and the things that we're, the, the, the affiliations that we're making is a good thing too. So, um, uh, Jim and Eric and I, we have, we have each other to, to bounce things off of. And, and I know Jim has, has told me a few times, you know, he, you know, you better examine this because it might not be right. And I've told Jim that and, and, and Eric, you know, we, you know, we've gone back and forth too and, and stuff. So we all keep each other in check because the, the word says that the spirit of the prophets is sub, the prophet is subject to the spirit of the prophets. I know I'm butchered that, but that's the basic meaning. And, um, so we have to all, uh, if I get, if I get a word or if I get a feeling, I bounce it off of these two guys. And if it's, if it's right, you know, they're there to tell me if it's wrong, they're there to tell me. And, and also, you know, if, if you're a believer and you have a spouse, that's a very good source. Um, brothers and sisters in the Lord that, you know, aren't necessarily involved in the radio show. But uh, anyway, um, so with that in mind, you know, I was I, I suggested um, earlier in the week that that we talk about um, about QAnon and about other such uh, entities because uh, we really don't know who QAnon is. Um and we, we could have a whole show speculating who QAnon is. <laughs> we won't do that. But, um, so when I, when I hear things about have faith in Q, well, I'm sorry, but I have faith in Jesus. And if Q, Q is in line with Jesus, then that's fine. Um, or have faith in the plan. Well, if the plan is in line with scripture, then I'm going to have faith in the plan. But, but otherwise, you know, God comes first. So gentlemen, I'm just feel like I'm just rambling on. So I just kind of want to release it to you gentlemen and, you guys and, and, and see what, you know, what your feelings are about it too. And then we can go from there. Yeah. I, I think that, um, <clears throat> we're living in times where we find out that, um, just on one day, things can take a 380 degree turn. Uh, look what happened with the whole COVID virus, the pandemic and everything. One day we're in one way. And then the next day, the whole world is different. Um, so I think maybe the topic of discussion can be that, you know, we, we are living, as Paul um, said to Timothy, we're living in perilous times. Mm-hmm. He gives a whole outline of, you know, all the things that would, would happen. And uh, matter of fact, you know what, maybe, maybe if, if I can, we should actually read exactly what we are told that in, in these perilous times. Um, let's see. Okay, Make this go away now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Talking oh. computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I can't make that go away because if I do, then I can't bring it back. No, okay, hold I on can. a second. I'm going to put perilous times. Yeah, because I got Hebrews 12:24, which is another one I want to quote. Second Timothy wanna... 3, 1 Timothy 3.1. 2 Timothy 3.1. Okay, I can, can you... read it if you want me to. Yeah, please. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to read through, um, well, until I get to the end of what the subject matter is. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Is that the one, Jim? Yep, keep okay. on going. For men, shall, <laughs> for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, 
blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Should I keep going? Yeah, keep going. Okay. For this is the sort that creep into houses and lead, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, were persecutions I endured, but out of them all, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live a godly Christ, a God, all that, yeah, back up. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue in those things which thou hast learned, and thou hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that all men of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto the good works. That's all good works. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's good. So we're told right there. You know, we're living in a time when evil is good and good is evil, and where you know people are boastful and prideful in their sins, in their um, lustful desires, and worshiping the created rather than the creator. And it, it just goes on and on. It's given an accurate description of the things that are around us today. Now. It also says that in those times, there's a certain key that we need to do, and that is to be assured of the relationship that we have in Christ. He says, and not forsaking the assemblies together as a manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. That day is the day of the Lord. That's the second coming of Christ. That all these things are going to get worse and worse. So as we see this time, the end of the end times approaching, we're to come together more not less. What is happening in the world is that a biggest part of my ministry is trying to get people back into a fellowship somewhere. You can't be the lone ranger without being the lone stranger. You have to be connected with other Christians. Christians have to be connected with you. That's the way God made it. He made it to work as a team, as a body, not as a separate entity. You're not going to be strong. You're not going to be valuable. You're not going to be uh, stable if you're trying to do it all by yourself. Well, I can't go back there. They don't understand. They think I'm crazy because of Genesis 6 paradigm. Well, so what? They do know Jesus Christ. They do know that he is the author and finisher of our faith. 
They may not know and understand, and that's very significant to know, when Jesus said, just as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We kind of need to know what happened before the flood, because it's going to happen again in our day. So what is the one thing that nobody, out of the entire body of Christ, what is the biggest thing that nobody has a good understanding of? What happened in the flood? You tell them about Genesis 6, about hybrids, about the Gabor, about the Nephilim. They go, what? Huh? You're crazy. No, that. This is very important stuff nowadays. We need to know that because what happened then is happening now. So what did happen then? Well, most of the world doesn't want to hear, doesn't want to know about these crazy sounding things. The Bible tells us that there's a group, though, however, that has been called to know these things, that they're going to follow the lamb wherever he goes. The lamb's going in a strange place, taking people to back to Genesis 6 to understand the sons of God, uh, and all these other things. And um, they're not doing it. They're like mad. Well, yeah, I just saw your little note that you popped up there. They're mad dogs just going after anything and everything. Look at look at what happened in uh, the um, what would we call it? Maybe the um, the warlord who has sectioned off a part of uh, Seattle, Washington and made it his own. He's a he's a warlord from Antifa. And he's made this his own. So he told the cops to stay out. The mayor actually agreed and, and said to stay out and don't bother them and let them go ahead and do their thing and, and whatever. So within the first thing they did was put a wall around their little uh, zone. Then they started kicking people out. Then all of a sudden they want the police to come back because somebody's starting to shoot up people and they can't handle it. So the people they ordered the police to stay out. Now they're saying, come on and help us. No. Mm -hmm. No, you don't want our help, and you, 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 we could be going into a trap. We can't do that. No, nope, you're on your own. You didn't yeah. want us here. We're not going in. I thought so walls were bad, Jim. Oh, Aren't walls bad? Huh? Aren't walls bad and yeah, walls racist? That's what Antifa said, isn't it? You know, yeah. leave the wall down. You know, let you know, you, you know, the land of the free and everything. Well, right away they start evicting people and start, you know, acting like the very thing that they said was that they were against, they're acting for. Uh, when he got done tearing down all the Confederacy stuff because they tried to make it equal to um, uh, Nazi stuff, um, then they started what? Then they started attacking um, Christopher Columbus because, you know, he was really a bad, evil, rotten person. Uh, not. Um, mm -hmm. What they're doing is denying real history and using replacement theology and replacement history that didn't even exist. And most of the people that are promoting this aren't even look at Black Lives Matters. You know, you follow the money trail and it does not lie. You know what the money trail was when they followed uh, Black Lives Matters, where this money goes? Oh, my guess, George Soros. Um, well, no, but he is funding it. But you know where it goes? It goes to the Democratic National Party. <laughs> All that does. Democrats. That is where the money goes. And money is not biased. Money. Black Lives Matter has got nothing to do with anything to do with Black Lives Matter. It means Democrats matter to keep Trump out for another four years because we can't dare have him be elected another four years. All of these things are leading to that. I mean, the mindlessness of these people. They mm -hmm. can they tear down all the Confederacy stuff. Then they start tearing down. Um, my God, even George Washington. Seriously? <laughs> you nuts? Yeah, well, the, the, the revisionists of history is what they're trying to do. Yes, yes. Color and, everything up. And change everything. I mean, the reason, I mean, if they knew anything of real history, when 
oh, this this gets so nuts, man, so whacked out. Um, Robert E. Lee was a born again Christian. He was so grieved at what was happening. He saw that he knew ultimately the the North was going to win, and if they kept fighting. Hundreds of thousands of people were going to continue to die. He was so grieved with it. He didn't even bother letting President Je uh, Jefferson Davis know of his plan. He secretly, because he knew that Jefferson Davis was going to say no. So secretly, he set up um, a meeting with uh, General Grant at Opotomax to surrender so that he would stop the killing. And that was, uh, and no offense to the blacks, you were just one little element of states' rights versus federal rights. You were one little element to economics. Slavery was a trade that was practiced even in the time of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, go out and rebel and burn and destroy things uh, in my name and I'll set you free. He said, be, glorify God where you're at. And your captors are going to end up bringing glory to God also because of how you act. You're an ambassador to me first, not right, right. rebelling out and, in the streets and burning stuff down. And also, Jim, you know, let's, you know, you mentioned part of it, but let's go a little deeper. Um, the European bankers wanted to set up Bank of the United States, basically. Um, yep. That would be controlled by, by them. And Lincoln right. said, heck no, we're not doing that. And that's another reason why the war started, uh, they, because they figured that Lincoln would, you know, the North would lose because the North wouldn't have any funding. But what Lincoln did is he 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 um, issued worthless money, which is basically what we have now, and and paid people in worthless money, but it had some worth in it because because it was the only thing that was available. So um, he thwarted for uh, probably a good 50 uh, or 60, so 40, probably about 55 years, the establishment of a central bank in the United States. Anyway, go ahead and continue. I'm sorry. So anyways, here, here's the, the even the craziest thing. Now, when, when the North finally realized that they were going to go to war, actually fight over all this, every country that ever goes to war has to demonize their enemy. They have to make something so horrible a demonization of the enemy that it makes them want to get up and fight because most people don't want to fight they want to live a quiet life with a good family and and live a peaceful life they don't really want to turn everything upside down and go fight an enemy for most of the times not even knowing why so right. they have to be motivated so in the south we get this myth that everybody's beating and whipping slaves, that all the slave owners are beating and whipping these poor people. Now, most of us have pets. We love our pets. Um, we dress them up in little costumes, and, you know, usually we go to the extreme. But there's always a few idiots that will sit there and torture their pets and be mean and cruel. Now, that's not a reflection of what the average people do. Only a few extreme people. So guess what they did? They said, oh, my gosh, these people are all being whipped and beaten. Now, in the Bible, it talks about Issachar being a beast of burden, but that they would be taken and made a beast of burden. But there was a promise that they would end up being set free in that process and free to with new opportunities. That was the Ivory Coast slaves. They were actually turned in by their own tribes, by their own people through war and, and whatnot, and sold off. 
and they came, you know, and during the transition, yeah, they were chained up and they were whipped into submission on the way to the, um, the United States. But once they got there and they were bought, they were and now no it, no man should own another man. I I agree with that. And there's no kind of freedom when you're made and don't have an option to be in a situation. But to say that all of these Southern Bible Belt Christian believers, most of them were, were beating and whipping these people. And you're going to tell me that their very culture embraced the God from the people that beat them? Explain that reality. By their free, you should know them. The blacks that were taken into slavery by the Bible Belt believing Christians were loved and respected. They didn't beat and whip them. They treated them. Okay, it was very condescending. They looked at them as like, like little baby animal pets or, or like subhumans that just didn't really understand a bigger picture. They weren't educated or capable. Uh, I mean, look, if they were still living in mud huts and grass skirts and, and chucking spears, when here we are building ships and, and, and imagining travel and building empires and everything. And, and they weren't. So we looked at them as being um, somewhat subhuman, but they were still like a pet. They were they were something they loved and they embraced. And I actually saw um, a letter and read a letter from uh, one of my in-laws when I was married. And it, these these people were sipping mint juleps and living on a plantation. They had a horse farm and ended up being that they sold exclusively the Kentucky Derby and everything as it, as it progressed. But there was a day when they owned slaves. And I read the letter and they said, you know, we don't. We don't understand what these darn Yankees are, are saying. They're trying to say we beat our uh, N-words because that was a popular name. It just meant black. It wasn't a, a word that was derogatory in that sense. It was just a description saying these are blacks. So they used the N-word. So I'm not going to say it because it's just like using an F-bomb or something. I, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to say it. So I, and I don't want to say it. But I said we love our N-words. Why would we want to hurt them? The other thing is just common business sense. If you got a, if you got objects of um, equipment that are churning out a crop, you don't sit there and whip and beat and destroy them. You feed, you feed them. You make sure that they're um, they're rested, they're well maintained, so that they can produce. It's just common business sense. But in this sense, it was a step beyond that. They actually loved these people as you would love a pet. Very condescending, very terrible, but not the image that we get that uh, Takan was beaten and whipped and, and made to work until he died. That's not what they did. They were part of a family, their family, their homes. My gosh, some of these blacks, when they escaped, they I would escape. If I had an opportunity, even though I was living in those conditions, I want to be totally free because I want to be free. So they escaped. Some of them went and joined the Union Army. But after war, a lot of them returned back to the farms to go back to the family. They wanted to stay there. Now they actually got paid to do what they used to do uh, for free, but they were always well taken care of. They went back there because they wanted to get back and connect to their family, which they recognize as their white slave owners. These were people they loved. They were loved and they were they were loved in return both ways. Um, so it was a myth. It was literally a myth. The, the slaves were not beaten into submission. My God, if they were, they were some kind of special stupid because nobody adapts their culture 
to a group of people that beat and whipped him. If anything, because uh, the blacks have many songs that are part of their cultural tradition now of being Christians. Why would they want to embrace and accept the religion of people that beat them? That is a special kind of stupid. No, the thing is that that didn't happen. That's why. If it did, they would hate anything and everything about Christianity and kill every person that believed in Christianity. Why? Because these are the people that beat and whipped us because of that belief. How would we? Why would we want to be a part of that? It doesn't make sense. It denies the fruit of reaping and sowing. It denies actual real history. So at the end of the war, when when Robert E. Lee got grieved by what was happening, he was grieved in the sense of white and black uh, slaves. Even though he himself was a slave owner, he didn't want to see all these people die needlessly. It was going to happen, and he wanted to put a stop to it. So he and Grant got together. And Grant was some not some kind of demonized uh, warmonger. He was a very sensitive, very kind person who was a regular person, came up the hard way from a small town, from a small family. Um, he wanted to listen. He wanted to hear um, Lee out. They agreed. You know what? This was such a horrible thing, the, us fighting each other over things that we could have resolved. Now that we've got them resolved, we're going to have mutual respect for one another's people for our heroes, for our icons, for our symbols. We want this to be a lesson in history that we were formerly enemies. Now we've been reconciled. Now we, we, we treat and respect one another and all of our icons and everything so that people may learn from history not to do the same thing over again. So Lee was concerned that if I surrender, we live off the land. We're farmers. We we were woodsmen. We live and need our weapons. Will you please let us keep our weapons so that we can uh, make a living? Now that there's no more slavery, we have an economic disaster of, of trying to recoup and readjust to that. Please let us keep our guns so that we can uh, continue making a living. So they agreed to do that. And they agreed to respect each other's icons. They were not um, objects of hate, of death. Uh, they tried to equal everything of, of uh, Confederacy as being... Uh, uh, demonized as being, you know, uh, equal to a Nazi sign. So when I see the stars and stripes uh, or the stars and bars on a um, on one of the southern states like Alabama, they have it on their their state flag. It's not a state flag of hate. It's not a state flag representing anything other than reconciliation of the North and the South coming back together as one. So that was the whole purpose and intent. And history can real history can bear that out. That's why now all of a sudden the commies come in here and they take down our people, our um, icons, try to make it into Nazi looking kind of things. But it's OK to have uh, um, an ex from Malcolm X who says kill Whitey. That's OK. But it's not OK to have an ex that was a symbol for reconciliation of a United States that's now back to the United States. Real history. That's what it was all about. Matter of fact. Of all things, when Jefferson Davis, he was wanting to have his day in court. He wanted to go ahead and once he got captured and everything and he surrendered, um, he wanted to go on trial for possibility of, of maybe being executed as a, a traitor. He wanted to go on trial because in court he could prove that his separation from the states was fully constitutional justified by the Constitution, and by that he could prove that his succession was not an act of rebellion, it was an act of 
actually obeying the Constitution. They had a belief that was different, and say they succeeded from it. And under the Constitution, they were allowed to do that. That's what he wanted. Well, you know what? The union realized that he could win, too. So they said, no. Okay, you know what? You're not going to have your trial. We're going to just remove your citizenship, and you go live somewhere else. So Eddie ended up going in Canada and became an insurance salesman, of all things. Mm. But guess who reinstated him posthumously afterwards? He was never allowed American citizenship again. But guess who gave him back his citizenship posthumously years after? Now you Can fooled you get- me the other time with this, and I think it yeah, turned I out know. to be Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, a liberal Democrat, is the one that said, okay, Jeffrey, we give you your citizenship back in honor of of uh, of you. Now, what? Yeah. Figure that one out, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. A bunch of lying, hypocritic, commie creeps. I mean, communism has creeped in and tried to demonize and put a division and device against us. Um, whether this uh, Gregory Foster ever, uh, no, George Foster actually ever even died, we find out that the profile face recognition of the man who was uh, standing on his neck saying, you know, while he's saying, I can't breathe. He was a professional actor who acted in cash cab, mm-hmm. a, theat- a theatrical, um, you know, kind of a game show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and he was not the person that was arrested. Those are two different separate profiles. The, uh, the face recognition thing did not identify and say that this is the same person. Matter of fact, it said that it wasn't the same person. The composite pictures that made up the entire newsreel, some of the prices on gasoline would be a year before that ever happened. Some of the people that were interviewed were the same people that were being interviewed at the um, Boston Marathon bombing mm-hmm. that was at Sandy Hook. Crisis actors. Yeah. Crisis actors. Yeah. The whole dang blasted thing was fake. Just like coronavirus is fake. It's nothing but a doggone flu. And when you go two weeks over 80 degrees, it melts. It's evaporated. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But they're keeping us looking at, oh, we got to stay six feet apart and, and be separate. And, and uh, it's coming back. It's going to. No, it's not. The only thing that's coming back is their sleight of hand uh, garbage and lies. We can't trust anyone, anything, any institution anymore. We can't trust anybody but Jesus. And so, you know, Dave, the way I see this is that we are living in these perilous times. Things are being shook up all over the place. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 24. It says, um, okay, I got to make our little thing here disappear so I can read everything. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth removing of those things which are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For God is a consuming fire. The idea here is that God is going to cause a shaking up. It says that the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That means that something is being displaced from a safe, secure place into a very unstable place. So the shaking up happened on earth. But this time he's saying, I'm shaking up heaven also. 
and men's hearts failing for them for fear for those things that are coming upon them. What is it? A great shaking up. What is being shook up? Those things that are man-made, stinky, fleshly desired doctrines and de beliefs of devils that are not true are going to be shaken up so that the only thing that remains are those things which cannot be shaken up, which are from the kingdom of heaven. How do we divide, rightly divide, all of the garbage that we once trusted, names that we once trusted, institutions that we trusted, that we no longer can trust? This is why older people, the boomers especially, and even before them, cannot possibly roll with the times that are coming now because they don't... My own experience, some of the local news people, when I had the King's Kids Motorcycle Ministry, we were the coolest thing on on earth. And so they glorified and made us look bigger than life and everything. They just thought it was so cool that here's these ex-thug bikers who are now serving Jesus and, and praising the Lord. So I got to know some of the local newscasters here in Detroit. I got to know them rather personally. Um, and they were great people. Forty years ago. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Operation um, Mockingbird, I think is what it's called, where all of a sudden they're, well, they're told, all echoing each other and parroting each other. Yeah, they're all they got this package deal. This is what you're going to say. So you can hear it from from coast to coast, north and south, east and west, all the newscasters exactly saying the same thing that's been canned. And they're told, OK, this is what you say. So they present it. And they're mockingbirds. They're mocking what somebody higher up has been telling them. Now, even in time, they realize, wait a minute, we're not really doing the news the way we used to do it. We're, oh my gosh, we're doing propaganda. But you know what? It's their slippery slope. Now, all of a sudden, they got kids, they got grandkids, they got a job, they got a lot of family depending on them. You know what? They can't, if they go back, they're going to be unemployed. And they can't do that. They're going to be blackballed. They're going to be, you know, um, they're not going to be able to broadcast news anywhere. So they go with the flow. They have to. They have no choice. They got too many other people depending on them. This is how, you know, you can be a hero when you're only responsible for yourself. When you're responsible for a lot of other people, all of a sudden you're not so much a hero. You're going to keep your mouth shut, go with the flow so that you still have a job, so that all the people that depend on you are still going to be able to be fed and taken care of. That's the Nazi way of doing it, and that's the way it's being done today. So we have Mockingbird is happening, and it, it, it's hilarious. You can see on a certain news thing where, you know, they, they show you, you know, what they've done is they've taken and making um, a composite of all the things. So here's today's news, the way it was presented in Seattle, the way it was presented in Florida, the way it was presented in Michigan, in Texas. Everybody's saying the same thing, mocking. Well, Just, Blabbing out garbage. If you look, Jim, um, and I, I know you know this, and Eric, I know you know this, but maybe the audience doesn't. In 1991, David Rockefeller, I think it was David, uh, met in uh, with the Bilderberger Group in Baden, Germany, and this is this has been vetted. Yep. So this isn't, uh, uh, and I guess Bill Clinton attended his meeting too, and. It's a small paragraph. It says, we are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. Now, that was 40 years back in 1991. Um it would have never been possible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the light, the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. 
there was something in between her. It says the supra supra national sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto determination practiced in past centuries. So there you have it. There you go. And look at look at the other video that I had from um, Bill Gates addressing the Department of Defense and the CIA for a training film uh, in what was that? Nineteen? I want to say nineteen ninety. No, this was in 19, it was like 78 or something. I, I can't remember the date on it. It was way before it hit. But he was talking about how to use a pandemic to destroy Christianity in America. Right, right. And he, he was using this as a training film for the CIA to use to bring about this COVID 19 virus to actually the whole objective of it was to destroy Christianity in America by, by using a, um, by using an injection inoculation yep. that actually yes. attacks part of the human brain that causes or allows people to be, they use the word religious, but it's just right. spiritual. Yeah. Well, it hinders the release of, uh, of, uh, uh DMT in in from the pineal gland, they they actually could record during a time of prayer and healing, of praise and worship that this part of the brain is highly activated. So they found a way to cut that part off. Right. And so this is what they wanted to use in the inoculation to eliminate uh, and destroy our faith-based society. Well, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And this is one of the ways that this film is a. Um, what, what could you say? Um, a nail in the coffin to the whole right. global agenda 20, uh, 21. Um, agenda, it, thir- agenda 32. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it proves that what people, I think what the older generation doesn't realize that there actually is, and it's scriptural, it's biblical, there actually is an elite that are trying to take over the world and kill six and a half billion of us one way or the other now it says in um revelation 17 it says and there are 10 people who have have received no kingdom as of yet but they have power as kings and they give their power unto the beast for they have they all have one mind and basically one goal i'm paraphrasing a little bit this is um um revelation 17 verses 12 13 and 14 it gives you the plan right there. Now, I don't think it's uh, any big surprise that you follow the money trail and the money that supported Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich now supports that same money, supports the United Nations and their agenda. Mm-hmm. The United Nations has carved out this entire planet into 10 different sections. Who are the 10 people that are going to get 10 different sections? Duh, right out of the Bible in Revelation 17. The ten kings that have received no kingdom as of yet, but have the power. In other words, they have the the um, assets, the financial worth. They are worth as much as other nations have their entire economy. And they're going to put that kind of money, like um, George Soros, like the Rothschilds, like the um, Warbirds, like all of the other names that you've heard continuously all through. The elite that are thrown into the God of this world because they are part of a rebel alliance against 
the Lord of the Bible, the God of the Bible, and they are actually on the highest level. They know they're working for Satan because they want the alternative to heaven, which would be hell. Hell is really not a bad place. It's just the alternative to heaven. It's where you don't have to be accountable to that big guy in the sky with a lightning bolt and a, uh, a big stick to whoop you. You can circumvent yourself from him. You should surely not die. Your eyes will be open and you should be like God's. So the two lies in the Garden of Eden, you sure you should surely not die and you're going to be equal to God's, independent from God. That's what Satan was all about in the first place, to give you a replacement. I will give you eternal life. I will give you an eternal place to dwell in. You don't need God's. So you don't have to be accountable to him. I am going to set you free. I'm going to liberate you. Yeah, where do we hear this liberty, liberty? You know, it's like, now do you see, even in these last days now, all of a sudden, um, now the gays are, the gay lesbian uh, thing is joining together with with um, Antifa. They're joining together with um, um, the communists. Well, they're joining with Islam, too, which I find really, yes, yes, really yes. terrible, because the minute that Islam, if were, were they ever to take over, uh, the gays are the ones that are going to be thrown off the top of roofs, rooftops because Islam does not recognize that as being a uh, holy thing, according to them. You know, as, I mean, it's not to us either, but, you know, we, we have grace and mercy and we don't believe in throwing people off of buildings. We believe in praying for people and letting God sort them out, you know, but let God get into their lives and God straighten well, everything all, out. What do all three of those have in common? They want to see the destruction of America, the Judeo-Christian America. Mm -hmm. They want to see it destroyed. So the birds of a feather are flocking together. They all have the desire to destroy this Judeo-Christian nation. Um, I had a guy uh, was on one of my postings, and he was saying, "Yeah, well, I'm I'm all for Trump. You know, I like what Trump's doing and what he's got to say, but you got to watch for those international Jews, those darn Canaanites." They have come into Israel and usurped everything, and they don't belong there. They said, oh, you know, I've heard this old, you know, replacement theology thing. God's done with Israel. We are now the Israel, and everything is all about the United States and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, there's a problem there. You know what you have in common with all these other groups, the Islams, the the, um, uh, the communists, and, and um, the gay lesbian agenda movement? You all hate Israel. You all hate Jews. Right. Um, my Bible tells me in Zechariah 12th chapter that there's going to be a national repentance of whoever those people you say are dwelling in Israel. All those people are going to look up. They're going to see something that all of a sudden unites them because they are going to look up and look upon him whom they have pierced. And they are going to mourn as one mourns for their only begotten. Mm -hmm. My God, Israel returns to Yeshua HaMashiach, the, the promised Messiah. They realize Jesus died for us. He was the Messiah. We missed the boat, but it's not too late. Oh, my gosh. We need him now more than ever. And God answers. And they have a national repentance. And you're telling me to go in there and wipe those people out? Dude, you're going to be on the wrong side of the fence because you know why? You're a new neo-Nazi, and you don't even know it. Right. You're gonna you're gonna be going in there to uproot these uh, horrible heathens, thinking you're doing God a, a big favor. I'm gonna be on the shores defending them from you, and we're gonna be fighting each other because you're replacing theology. That's where you're gonna end up. You're gonna end up on the wrong side of history, on the wrong side of heaven. I don't want to be in your shoes. 
that's where your that's where your thing that's where your whole replacement theology is going to be. You're in opposition to the scriptures. You're denying real history that God has already seen because he's seen the beginning from the end. He knows who wins. He knows who loses. This is where our confidence has to be. We seek God's plan. How do we know God's plan? Like you were saying, Dave, I mean, okay, we know that God, according to Amos 3, 7, has a plan. Well, what is that plan? How do we know that these people are really the people that are the prophets that we can listen to? How do we know that? We can't trust anyone or anything. So how do we know this? We have to trust our relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's going to let us know. We need discernment then. So our prayers ought to be, Lord, give me the discernment to understand what is the secret you're telling your prophets. Who are the prophets? Is it really Kim Clement? Is it really Mark Taylor? Is it really David Wilkerson? Is it really uh, Eric Smith and David uh, Rafino and Jim Wilson? Yeah, because, you know, he's no respecter of people. You, the three of us are just as prophetic as as any of these guys, it's just that they're well, more well-known. Mm-hmm. And that's why we want to get our audience invo- involved and get a different format because many people out there in our audience are people that follow the lamb wherever he goes. They know about the Genesis 6 paradigm. They know that God has taken us to strange places. What we all got to know is that we know this because we're part of a group of people called the 144,000. We need to know that we have a mark and we have a seal. The mark is something of a you do a complete study in the Bible of what what is the mark? Uh Cain, after he killed Abel, was given a mark and told to that he was going to be removed from the surface of the earth, put into the inside of the earth, that he might be hid from the face of God, but he would also be hid so that no one could find him. And he was given some supernatural ability to have power over anybody that would want to kill him. Well, when you look at all the skeletal fossil remains that were fossils, the 30-foot pre-flood giants were 30-foot big. I don't care if you're the 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 most hardcore six and a half, maybe a, a big, tall, normal-sized human, seven-foot person, let's say, basketball player, football player type. When you're 30 foot, all you got to do is do one stomp, and I don't care how bad you are at six foot, you're dead. <laughs> That's 30 foot is a, a supernatural mark that he was given some kind of supernatural power and endowment. The seal is a protection for the paranormal paranormal, meaning that which is around you. What is around you? It's all of the rebels, the rebel alliance of supernatural demonic empire entities. That is what is around us. We are protected from that by God's promise of a seal, a wrapping around protection. A force field, if you want to give it, a heavenly force field from God. So we are given a supernatural authority and power. Now, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to all turn into 30 foot giants. okay? but that same word means that we are given a supernatural empowerment of something. For us, it's a manifestation of the sons of God. It is the promise that God is going to give us all the gifts to be used pretty much in a relationship that we're going to have with God. But it happened with uh, a type and shadow. It happened with David, King David, before they could get a total answer for something that would be assured from God. They had to have the Levitical priests pass uh, to David even uh, the ephod, which is 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And those 12 stones were what would tell the Levitical priest, the, what, what, what the oracles of God would be. And he would know this by 
having wearing this tablet of judgment is well, what it's called. Wasn't that called the Uman and the Thuman or something like that? Or I can't remember what that was. Um, no, that, well, that, they were in the Ark of the Covenant along with it, but the uh, and that was no that that I think had it's a little bit different. It's got some. It's got to do with with truth, like dividing uh, flesh from spirit. But yeah, that's kind of a sidetrack. So the, sorry. the yeah. Levitical, that's okay. The, the Levitical priesthood, the ephod, was what was worn, and that was what gave them an awareness of what God was doing. So as David took the 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 ephod from the Levitical priest. Once he touched it, he could come into that same discerning uh, ability. Now, as David uh, was about to do that, the Levitical priest held it back and said, no, there's coming a time when you won't need this. God is going to let you know now just by faith alone. As he, in the future, in a day like kind of like a last day's thing, there'll be a time when the ephod will be written upon the hearts of the individual and there'll be no more need for for the ephod because it will be with you. And that's a relational thing. You will have that discerning ability. That's with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, rightly dividing uh, truth, you know, the spirit from the flesh. So that was prophetically what we are now entitled to as children of God, we have that ephod within us written in stone inside of us. So with that idea, the manifestation of sons of God is the time that we're living in. We have, as Satan is throwing everything at us that he has, we are able to be countered with that, with having all wisdom and knowledge and awareness, but we have to seek it out. We have to be willing to, um, Look at our own human imperfectedness, and yet in a relationship, let God discern and rightly divide everything. So that is how we can know what to trust and how to trust. Is David Wilkerson, is Kim Clement, are they truly prophets? You know what? We we ask the Lord, and he can show us whether they are or whether they aren't. And by doing that, we can find out that we can have confidence in a certain amount of people because you know what there's a consistency there they're all talking about the same thing on different levels but they all fit together like transparencies adding one to another it becomes more clear as you put the two together now god wants us as a body to come together in unity that unity isn't going to happen until we break all the isms denominational barriers and everything so god has scattered all of his truths and understandings even if you're let's say one of the two witnesses these guys whoever they are are not going to have all the answers. They themselves are going to have to be dependent to work as a team. The head, the eye, the foot, and everything. You send a general out into battle all by himself, what's going to happen when he's coming against a, a horde of an enemy and you have one general to stand behind who's going to order anything? It doesn't work that way. The general needs his officers. He needs his uh, non-commissioned officers. He needs his ground troops. Everybody works together as a team. They don't work as an independent army with one guy saying, okay, you're the boss. Go in here. You got all the answers. No, it don't work that way. It never has, never will. It's not even common sense. So we all work together as a group. So, man, we're not, we're looking for such idealistically weird things. Jesus had the same problem. Everybody came to him and says, hey, is this guy John the Baptist? Who in the heck is he anyway? You know, I mean, 
you know, is is he is he Elijah? Is he the one preparing a way or do we look for another? In two different Gospels, Luke and Matthew, all the answers are right there. One looking from a Hebrew perspective, one looking from um, a historical perspective from Luke. So we get two different ways of looking at it and two different eyes. One scripturally, so he's going to quote all the uh, accurate scriptures and everything, and that was Matthew, and then one from a historical representation. So we get these two, we look at them, and one, um, Jesus said, you know, you were expecting someone from a, when when you were looking for a prophet, you were expecting um, somebody come from a, from a palace and find remnant, and what did you get? You've got a hoary, hoary man, a grisly, rough, you know, looking man who was eating locusts and um, and honey. Now, that was the food for the nomads. The nomads were on a social order, the lowest of the low, because they couldn't they didn't stay in one place to grow their own food or anything. So they grabbed and lived off the land. Well, you're living in a desert. You don't have a whole lot of stuff to eat. So grasshoppers and um Honey are about the only thing you can put together. I kind of always figured maybe they added the honey to make the grasshoppers taste a little bit better because they probably didn't taste like chicken. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about it. I I, I would double dip the honey-coated. Ins- I'd probably just, okay, Lord, it's time to go home because I'm not eating any insects. I don't eat bugs. Um, but that's what happened. So, you know, they were expecting one thing and got completely the opposite. Because it pleases God to use the things of no effect to make no effect the things are to make to use the... Uh, the wise compound to use the simpler compound the wise. So, you know, um, it just uh, is not ever what we expected. Now, in the other gospel, it says that, um, you know, pretty much the same thing. It says, but what, what, well, Jesus, in the first one, he says, I'm going to tell you something that's rather hard for you to accept. Elijah, I mean, um, John the Baptist was Elijah. Now, he doesn't go any further and explain anything else. Now, in the other gospel, it says that I will tell you a truth. He says, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Now, New Age is, oh, see, he was reincarnated. No, it got nothing to do with reincarnation. He came in the persona. He came as a type of person just like Elijah was. But mm-hmm. he's a different person. So we get a model here to even begin to look at possibly who the two witnesses are. There, there's two people that come in the likeness of someone else. One will come in the likeness, you know, some people say, oh, well, that was Moses because of the, you know, the kind of activity that they're going to pronounce on, on people. And the human flamethrower thing, we went through this before. It's like right. the word per meaning fire also means a refiner's fire. It's the word of God coming out refining and dividing between flesh and spirit has nothing to do with being a human blowtorch. Um, it's the word of God is coming out. They got answers to questions that people ain't even been thinking about asking, but they've got answers and it divides everything up, you know, in half as to what's real and what isn't. So these two are going to be people that come in the likeness of probably Enoch, probably Elijah, but they're not Enoch. They're not Elijah. They were taken into heaven. They were translated. They were changed. They, you're not going to, it's appointed man once to die and after this a judgment. They've already had that. They're not coming back to, to what, to die after they got an eternal body? No, it doesn't work that way. 
Now, to be fair to the scriptures, is possibly could they have been just taken up and immediately relocated to our day? Yeah, it's, that's a slim chance. It could. I, I'm not going to say that it wouldn't be. But I think we have to keep open for the other pattern that they're going to be two separate individuals. They're going to be modern day people. They're not going to be dressed like Gandalf with some staff with, you know, some crystal with electricity coming out from it. They're not going to look like Gandalf. They're not going to wear any robes and sandals and look like Old Testament people. They're going to be wearing modern everyday clothes. And, uh, you know, and I keep making a joke that, that, uh, what is the lowest order of social order within, let's say, even American culture or anything? It'd be bikers probably. And bikers seem to be a pretty predominant thing of, of, uh, uh, wanting to preserve their their pro Trump, their pro a lot of bikers have really mellowed out. There's been like a re uh, a revival. I like to say that bikers, being that I come from that avenue anyway, most of them did not buy Satan's promise of this glitzy world. They saw the superficiality of it, so they're they have one eye open. They realize all the junks in this world, but they lack the hope of the gospel. And so now that most of them are older, they've actually. The, the attempt of evangelizing outlaw motorcycle clubs, there is a spiritual awakening going on within most of the bike clubs. Here in Detroit, we have, we have people now that are Christians who are now chaplains for a lot of the hardcore bike groups. The hardcore bike groups aren't so hardcore anymore. Now they've got their grandpas, they got, you know, grandkids, they got, uh, their own kids. They've mellowed out in a lot of the ways that they present things and their whole culture and everything. Almost all of the, Hardcore outlaw bike clubs in Michigan now in the Detroit area have chaplains and they insist that their chaplains have to be born again Christians. They don't want anyone else and kind of steering them morally. You don't hear that, but it's happening all over. That's why we have groups like Bikers for Trump. Um, we have so many of them that are working in, in different, uh, charities and everything. Yeah, some of them are still, I mean, they're not, they're not Boy Scouts. They're still doing a lot of, hedonistic, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of stuff. But they've gone through a slow transformation of evangelism that's taken maybe 40 years to reach them, and they're changed. Um, they want born-again Christians as a spiritual headship, leadership, or accountability. Whoever thought that that would ever happen? So I see God moving in a strange way. So what I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out as that um, expect the unexpected. God's going to call people that, you know, from from extreme areas that were considered hopeless. Um, you know, it's, just, it's incredible. Just expect the unexpected. But the thing is, trust and believe in your personal relationship with Jesus. Now have a promise in letting him lead you, show you who are the prophets, who aren't the prophets. God can tell you. And I think when when all the dust clears, you're going to see that. David Wilkerson, Kim Clement, um, Mark Taylor, they're pretty accurate. Sure. And they're claiming God's they're they're proclaiming God's plan. But we gotta know what God's plan is. That's the only thing that gives us stability. And we're not gonna get the whole picture of that unless you are locked into a church somewhere. In church I don't mean a building. I mean it can be a if the fivefold word ministry exists in a church that only composes five people in a Bible study at home, you know, there's probably more power in that than in a mega church with a couple of thousand people in there that nobody knows anybody. And they just go there and go through the motions, stand up, sit down and also with you and then go out and forget what the heck even a sermon was that day. Yeah. You know, um, 
I had a laugh because when you said the lowest form of person, I I, I thought of politicians and lawyers. <laughs> I didn't think of bikers. Uh, there there was a joke the other day. Um, what was it? What's the difference between a lawyer and a catfish? One's a bottom dwelling scum sucker, and the other one's a fish. Uh, but wow. Uh, if there's any lawyers listening, you know, this is all being said in jest. Um, and you get, you guys know that if you're an honest lawyer, you know that there are a lot of dishonest lawyers out there. And, uh, I could say the same things about doctors, nurses and everything else. So anyway, um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, Kim Clement and, and, uh, Mark Taylor and David, especially David Wilkerson all lined up with scripture just fine. And, um, the thing, the thing that I don't want to see is a hijacking of someone's faith based on what, um, what others are saying. And, um, someone had presented to me, um, that, uh, you know, when, uh, when Q writes, a lot of times he puts scripture in there. I don't remember who that was actually, but anyway, um, they, and that's true. You know, he does use a lot of scripture, but, you know, I can remember other people that have used scripture too. I remember, Back in 1987, there was a book that came out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. And that guy used a lot of scripture, and uh, I was one of those people that wore egg on my face after that one. Uh, And then the guy had the unmitigated gall to come out with a book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1989. Well, nobody bought that book. Anyway, (laughs) um, uh, and then um, there was another thing I was going to say, too, and I just, for some reason, it went away. But... Um, so what I, what I think of what I'm just trying to, to, to bring clarity about is that, um, oh, that, that was it. Um, I read a book, um, put out by the Ashtar command of all, of all, of all groups. <laughs> and it was, um, uh, project evacuation, world evacuation or Pro- project evacuation earth. I can't remember which one it was. And that book, if, let me tell you, if I was a, just became born again, or if I was searching really diligently for for Jesus and and had read a lot and I read that book, I would I would have bought it hook, line, and sinker because uh, just about every paragraph had a, had a scripture in it and everything. But um, for people that didn't know any better, you know, it, it it sure sounded good. But when I after I read, well, I read it after I'd been saved probably about ten years, and and I could see I could see through it, but it scared me. And it scared me for young believers who who might read it and buy into it. And I think I wrote an expose on it actually. On, on it's on the delusion resistance. But um, so um, and you know even even Jesus uh, when he was uh, encountered the devil or Satan out in the desert. You know it's, Satan used scripture with him too. So um, and I and I know believe me I know and, and like I said I'm a I'm a, a cuophile if that's a word. Um, because I do think that, that Q is, is somebody seated up very high that knows what's going on. And I know that he can't let out a lot of information at once because if he did, somebody would figure out who he was. So he's got to let, let out bits and pieces and you take those bits and pieces and you put them into a puzzle, you know, and then one of these days, um, that puzzle is going to be complete. But more importantly, when things start to come down, he's going to have a lot of answers for people. Um, people are going to be freaked out, you know, that this is happening and he's going to come back and say, you know, just, just mellow out. It's going to be okay. And he'll probably use a scripture. 
So when it comes to the actual QAnon, I have no problem with him saying, uh, trust the plan. You know, I, I can't buy into the have faith in the plan because I can only have faith in Jesus. And, and if Jesus directs me to the plan and then the plan corresponds with scripture, then everything's fine. Um, but then, you know, you got to think scripture doesn't talk about everything that's happening in this modern day world. And it certainly isn't focused on, uh, what's happening in the United States. It's more, it's more Hebrew centric, um, or, or, um, Judeo centric, maybe is a better word for it. But, um, so there's a lot of people that have attached themselves onto the Q movement, uh, cause Q, I don't know if it's Q himself, but some people in the Q movement are saying that, um, that basically that this is going to be the salvation of the world. And when I hear salvation of the world, my thoughts go to Jesus coming back for, on his second coming. Um, so it, it, it may be a time of peace, relative peace and justice. Um, but Jesus is coming back to, to rid us of a system that is called the Babylon system and to, and to bring back, um, pure and whole righteousness um, and nothing else. And um, to think that that um, this plan that, that Q has is going to be um, uh, maybe like, <laughs> I hate to use the word for well, it, it's, Reich. It's, it's, tan, it's transitional. It's not permanent. It's right. something that's going to be, you know, it, we're going to experience it for a short term, but then the pendulum's going to swing the opposite way and it, and it reverses on itself. So right. uh, so what we that's what bib, is biblical is scriptural. Um, but, but I know what you're saying. It's it's not this isn't going to be a permanent setup now that, you know, that man somehow has helped set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. No, that's not God coming back because except these days be short, there should no flesh be saved. Right. I kind of see it as, um, you know, uh, kind of exposing everything to the world so that everybody has a chance to see things as it truly is. Yeah, that's true. And the, then the decision comes back to you. What camp will you stand in? Right. 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 Yeah, I totally yeah. agree yeah. with that. Mm -hmm. because, and that's yeah. the way I see it um, from a temporal standpoint. So Apocalypse actually means the removing of the veil. It's a revealing of what really is going on. So that the last words on the last episode of the last series of, uh, which was the prequel to all prequels of, um, the Star Trek series ended with these last words. When the future becomes, creates the past, the present is revealed. Right. Wouldn't be profound. This is the paradox that we're in. Our future made the past what it is. And so now because of this paradox, space time, we need to know a revealing of where we're at now and why we got here is because the future has now become our past to identify where we are. Now we need it revealed. This is why we have these things. This is why this exists. This is why that exists. This is how this happened. Because, you know, at CERN, well, it opened up and laminated a whole bunch of different alternate universes into ours to make it a layered creation, a customization, you might say, of possibilities that was not by random, but by selection and by choice. But now we've been thrown outside of time. Now we're in the eternal state. And guess what? Now the war in heaven that we were taught happened way sometime in the ancient past. No, in our timeline, it just happened. It's happening right now. And it's recreated our past, re-identifying the need 
to have a revelation of what in the heck's going on now. How to just how do we get in this mess? This is how because we're stuck in a space time paradox. Now these guys think they're stuck in um, a Groundhog Day where they're gonna or the um, oh the movie that Tom Cruise was in where you got this they got to relive everything over and over and over again and they started refining their ability until they finally were able to. Uh, know exactly what to do all throughout time. Satan in his deluded mind thinks that's what he's going to be able to do. The one thing he forgot, when Jesus died on a cross and said, it is finished, he only gets one time. He did it, he goofed it up, and he's never going to have a second chance for nothing. His fate has been sealed. It is finished. Right. And all of a sudden, it was darkness uh, for an hour. And, and at that time, the powers of heaven and earth were shaken, just as the Bible described, and that's when everything changed. It was pivoted on his sacrificial death once and for all, froze everything so that the Alpha and the Omega is the only thing that's in total control of everything, the beginning and the ending. He already sees this as already happening. They lost. We won. That's what you have to keep in mind. The battle's already been won. It was won at the cross by the blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ. Um, all curses are broken. All any cycle that Satan thought he had to redo everything on a Groundhog Day, dude, you only have one chance and you blew it, and you're never going to have another chance again. That's it. That's right. That's very true. Yeah. But um, I uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Every time I hear something in the background, it's a Harley going by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, pretty, you know, maybe ninety-eight percent, but I mean, you know, we do have some rice, rice baby. You know, it's up there too. And some rice actually sounds like Harleys, and they're not, but they're pretty cool bikes. The last yeah. bike I got was a rice burner, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked it. I got to yeah. ride it more often than I did my Harley. They, you know, ride the ride a Harley, ride the best, ride one mile and walk the rest. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Sorry, uh, Harley. I love Harleys, but you know what? Uh, you know, yeah, it's a lovely relationship. <laughs> I rode mile and walk the rest. <laughs> I never heard that before. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an old one. It's. It, it kind of reminds me, you know, of, of Volvos and BMWs. Everybody, oh, they're so highly rated. And and the, if I was if I had a, a son or a grandson or something, I do have grandsons. I would I would really try to convince them into becoming a mechanic that works on on Volvos or BMWs because they're in the shop more often than they're not, right? You can make a fortune. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Japanese. I wouldn't even tell them to go try to fix Japanese cars because they, you know, a lot of times they outlive their owners. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, you know, there there are just certain car makes and and what is it with all German cars? Check it out next time and see if I'm right. But you know, you get behind or next to a German car, whether it's a Mercedes, a BMW, a Volkswagen, there's always a tail light out or there's always a headlight out. Um, I don't know for for people that have such high technology, how come they can't get their electronics straight? You know, it's the one eye. It's the one eye, man. <laughs> I'll see an eye. Oh, yeah, they're Illuminati cars. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Eric. <laughs> you know, that, that makes that makes even that makes actually good sense. Yeah. Yep. It's like, you know, if, when you see a my my son asked me about that. How come the one is straggling by there? And I said, well, that's the missing man formation. And he says, what's that? Well, they're honoring those that died in combat that didn't make it. That's why that one seems to be late. It's not that they're late. They're honoring all those that died and are no longer in the formation. But 
by spirit, they're still there. So they're respecting, you know, those that died, the missing man. So it's the missing um, man formation. So maybe that's the missing eye formation. That makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, Illuminati. Go one eye. <laughs> yeah, they should they should make a little decal where you can put the little fingers over the eye with the other three fingers sticking up or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> but um, you know, speaking of uh, things that are going on, um, it's real interesting. Now, um, last week before we went on the air, it seemed like all the uh, all the communication companies had a problem. Oh yeah, and. Man. And now, now the big scuttlebutt about that is that when that happened, Microsoft put some secret software on your computer. Uh, and, you know, I take that with a big uh, container of salt. But um, anyway, it's, it's almost like these little things are little little practices, you know, like uh, let's let's just knock your cell phones off for, for an hour or so and see how what kind of reaction we get. You know, um, that thing that came over last year with the presidential alert. You know, let's see what kind of reaction we get from that. And when, when in Hawaii, when they all got the alert that there was a nuclear missile coming, you know, boy, that really had um, some kind of uh, reaction to it. But I see all these things as being little tests uh, so that when um, – because, yeah. you know, the first thing that's going to go down when, when um, all these arrests start is the cell phone service is going to go down. All telephone service will go down, probably and probably Internet, too, for a little while. Because the last thing that they want is for, let's just say, a medium class pedophile or politician or whatever to be arrested. And all of his buddies getting on a cell phone going, hey, it's coming down. Everybody flee the country. You know, so it's either going to happen in the middle of the night. Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. I'm just saying the rats are going to hide, man. They're going to scatter and divide and, and develop another plan to escape. Right. So rather than that, cut off communication. This is just any kind of military operation. The thing you have to do is is cut off communication and then cut off logistics. Cut them off so they can't talk to each other and then cut them off so they can't get supplies from one place to another. Right. That's the two things you do um, to um, prepare for an invasion. Uh-huh. Whether invasion spiritually, whether it be an invasion, you know, literally, physically or information wise. Um, if you're getting ready for a blackout. You know, this is and the thing is that, you know, they want to if they I think they're also testing, making something biblical ish. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be accurate. It just has to be biblical sounding, you know, uh, to let's say during a, um, the fake rapture or something. They want, would add all these different elements to it to make it you know even more believable or something. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say what you know, they're darn well planning something. It's just right. hard to t- pinpoint right now what exactly it is. But that's where I say we. We have to be ready for the unexpected. We're getting more and more unexpected things. It shouldn't throw us off. If we are having a personal relationship with Jesus, he's going to be able to adjust us on the wing because we have that ability inside of us, but to, of, of the discernment of the Holy Spirit. If we're having a relation with relationship with him intimately, and I don't mean learning things about Jesus, but learning his mind, his heart in a personal relationship we're going to be fully equipped to make instantaneous judgments of discernment to know how to react and what to do. Yeah. If we don't have, if we have anything less than that, we are going to be lost little sheep, not knowing what the heck's going on. Well, I think that Jim, you're and I, you're in my relationship as a, as a perfect example of that, because, um, you know, back, back when we were, we were first became acquainted with each other, you know, and then add a couple of years, you know, 
Um, there were people that tried to say stuff to you about me and to me stuff about you. And we were able to rebuff that because I, I would say, you know what, I've spent a lot of time with this guy and what you're saying just doesn't sound like it clicks. You know, so you need to get away from me because all you're trying to do is create problems. And I know you did the same thing. And both of us sometimes had to do the same thing together to the same person. But, um, you know, so it all comes to uh, spending fellowship with, with one another. And then the same thing with the Lord. You know, well, said, yeah, I mean, we're like, a, we're almost like a married couple. We can finish each other's sentences, man. It's yeah, just crazy. I know, that's kind of freaky. <laughs> and I, but I like that. I mean, because that's, that's the kind of relationship we have, you know, that we, we know each other that much, and that's what a relationship with Jesus should be like. Exactly. Uh, and 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 that is that's the way God intended it to be with all of us to treat each other with love and respect. We we didn't always agree on a lot of things, right? But, but we got through it, and it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, because the 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 foundation, the crux, was there. Yeah, you know, and and, and nothing mattered other than that, you know. Of course, you know, um, you might like uh, <laughs> you might like Canadian bacon and pineapple on pizza. I don't, you know. Oh no, there that that has got to be an abomination. Pizza has to have pepperoni. It has to have um, mushrooms and cheese. Yeah, and or onions. Anything else? And, it's got those are the basic elements of a pizza. Otherwise, you put pineapple and weird stuff like that. I guess that's okay if you live in an alternate universe called California, but I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to bring the California thing up with that. <laughs> but those people could have, well, you know, it's it's kind of a state that's built on adultery anyway, but they can adulterize food like there's no tomorrow. You know, they they mix. Uh, you ever hear of Mexican pizza? You know, I never did till I, you know, lived in uh, California. When I lived in New Mexico, yeah, I, I. That's where I learned about it. You put what? Yeah, oh, man, hot sauce, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I never quite got to the refried beans kind of thing, but um, anyway, talk about taco pizza. Yeah, you could call it that, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, kind of like that. I, I love taco pizza. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. okay. Hey, you know, you're from you're from uh, South Dakota. What can we say? You know. You know, you live in a flatland. You live on, yeah, two-dimensional world. <laughs> now, there, there's a good way to describe uh, South Dakota, isn't it? It's the flatland. You have, you have uh, width. Well, yeah. So actually, uh, South Dakota is actually more uh, prairie and uh, small hills. Flatland actually is North Dakota, which is completely almost flat most of the state. But Kansas and Iowa and everything else. It's, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you like corn and you like wheat, drive through Iowa and Nebraska. I was oh, yeah. Nebraska is one that I've been through, and that definitely was – there's no height there. There's just width and uh, length. There's yes. No, that's the flat – now, there's a flat earth. Wow, it does exist. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. It exists in the state of uh, Nebraska. Yeah, that would make sense because the East Coast would be the <laughs> would be a part of the uh, end of the plate, and so would uh, California. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think we've solved the mystery here. So I can't yeah, wait yeah. to get all the email from the flat earthers. <laughs> uh, actually, I think most of our audience doesn't believe that. I think most of our audience has gone beyond that. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're people of reality. Any part of our audience that does believe in it probably, probably just uh, 
not listen to us anymore. Yeah, and that's okay. Um, One of my newest memes that I put on, I, I put on uh, about um, about pro, being pro-Trump. I I couldn't resist this one. It has a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Luke Skywalker, and they're looking at the um, they're looking at the hologram. You know when when uh, Princess Leia is saying, "Oh, I've You're seen our... that." Yeah, okay. yeah. Instead of that, you know who it is? It's the uh, Hammer. DC Hammer. Can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> I oh I, I looked at that and I go oh man that is Jim did you say DC Hammer no um yeah did I yeah MC Hammer yeah DC well you know direct current I you know DC I think Nancy Pelosi Nancy Pelosi is DC Hammer the way she likes to pound that gavel yeah yeah she is yep. DC hey um, guys I've been going into some really interesting stuff I've been using um, that Gematria calculator. <laughs> And and I, I punched in COVID-19 and a whole bunch of interesting stuff came up with that that is very pertinent to COVID-19. Um, but also, uh, uh, I'm currently working on Charles uh, Ellis Schumer, um, and there's a lot of pertinent stuff on there, too. And there's, I don't know, I'm not going to say that this is something that everybody should do, but there there is a certain element of um, truth to um, I, I you know correct me if I'm wrong but to to what names mean and oh, yeah. and to yep. what what their corresponding uh, numbers the numbers of the letters mean and how they're they show up in different words that's all I'm gonna say it's it's um, not on not borderline spooky I'm not gonna say that it's very interesting now there's some there's some weird stuff that comes up and you just have to dismiss it but um, uh, it's just, um, it's, it's bizarre. It really is. It's, it's, uh, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, um, I'm going to be, keep working on this. I think it's, uh, an interesting course of study. Uh, I'm not going to make it into a doctrine because I don't think it is one. And, um, uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of uh, weird how, how it works out, how, um, uh, number equivalents to letters and names kind of equal things that uh, are are pertinent to either a subject or um, or a person. And uh, and you know I kind of look at um, I asked a question um, when I was working on one of them the name David or David. You know now in ancient Hebrew there were no vowels so it'd be DVD. And I thought that was kind of cool. I'm a DVD. Um, nice. Yeah, but uh, it's better though. Yeah, see, God even know about knew about DVDs before they ever came out. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, so you know, and I asked a question. Now, was he God's beloved? Did David mean beloved before David, or did it mean that after David? I mean, did Jesse name him beloved because he was the youngest son and he was Jesse's beloved, or did David because he was God's the apple of God? Well, not he wasn't the apple of God's eye. He was a man after God's own heart. Did God call him that or beloved because of his actions? So there's there's a mystery we will probably never know. A chicken, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Exactly. Yeah, chicken egg thing. That's a really <laughs> good way to put it. But um, but since David, you know, um, people tend to take on the characteristics. Um, I've known a lot of Michaels. You know, a lot of Michaels. Uh, you know, I. I 
what was Michael? Michael means uh, who is God. In other words, not asking the question who's God, but or who is like God. I think it means. And uh, it's a lot of the people named Mike or Michael that I've met have been very, um, very, very forthright, very um, exceeding in in their Christianity. Maybe that's the way I should put it, or in their walk with God. Um, it's just really weird. Then there's other names that I don't know if you guys can identify with this. And I won't say the names because I don't want to offend anybody. But there's just some names of people that I just don't get along with people by that name. I don't know if you guys have that in your lives. But um, I, I tend to avoid people sometimes that have those names. Or I'll, I'll go very cautiously into a friendship or a, um, not, not even a friendship, but an association with them just because of what their names are. And it's, you know, it's worked, it's backfired on me. You know, I'm going to say that, but uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, I know I was kind of let down when I first found out what my name meant. Um, And especially when, you know, the numbers that add up to my name, that really was left me in despair. I goes, God, what is this? What are you talking about? I can't, this can't be me. I don't understand that. This is doom and gloom. Um, What's your name mean? Uh, Jim from James means uh, supplanter. 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 Supplanter, what that actually means is you are a seed planter that overturns something. So you're... you're, um, You plant tares. (laughs) No. I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. (laughs) The, uh, my first name has three, and my last name has ten, and they add up to ten thirteen. Oh, that wow. means that means a perfect. Oh, this is really a perfect rebellious failure. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm what? I plant seeds to a perfect rebell- rebellious failure. God, what are you? <laughs> well, here just go pull my brains out then, right? I mean, what the heck? Uh, no, really, now when I, you know, now the ten thirteen caught my eyes because of watching X Files. The X Files at the end of every episode, they have this little kid that said, "Oh, I, yeah, made, this. I made this." Yeah, ten productions. Now, if you follow the the script in all of the movies and see the connections, whenever there was a room with aliens or hidden information about aliens or aliens in that room you know what room it was 10 10, 13 wow so i'm so i'm going god what is going on here with this that's how i got to 10 13 i go hey isn't that cool i like well 10 13 so i use 10 13 in almost everything the strange thing is so does pastor uh, steve for a different perspective when we compare notes and i go oh this is too weird but (laughs) so anyways so 10 13 so I'm looking at all this. I'm going, God, what? Explain to this, please. There's got to be some other meaning. I don't know. Why would you do this to me? He said, Jim, I've called you to stand before the God of this world and bring down his kingdom. You're doing it by planting seeds of rebellion to this current system. There you go. You're going yep. to bring his kingdom to total destruction and failure. Thank you, Jesus. I buy that one. I accept it. I love it. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, what's funny, my name, uh, my middle name is James. 
And uh, so I'm, I'm the beloved supplanter. <laughs> Are you so, serious? Your yeah. real name is James? Yeah. My David, my young youngest son, David James Wilhelmson. So I you're know. David James Orfino. Cool. Yeah. I know. That's wow. one of the parallels that I saw in our, our two family lines that were kind of the same. And that just kind of blew my mind. But um, I haven't looked up Eric yet. So well, my, my Eric means the eternal ruler of all. <laughs> I win, guys. Oh, oh, oh man! I, hey, I guess you're from us, huh? I let my wife know that every once in a while. <laughs> she must, she must I get the death stare though. <laughs> the stink eye, huh? I right. That. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I know, Eric in Nordic mythology and everything is that's a pretty cool guy, actually. Eric, yep. Eric the Red. Yep. Yeah, my uh, you know, you know, my last name is Smith, but I I'm technically ad- adopted. So, um, like I've mentioned before, my biological mother, uh, her her last name was Domer, which is basically kind of it's Norwegian and Danish for um for judge, and we all know what judge is uh, in terms of the uh, tribe of Dan. So there you go. Well, you know, you know, and really that knowing you, um, that does fit into your uh, I'm kind of judgmental, aren't I? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think we better be nicer to this guy, Jim, because I, I was looking up his name to see if he was giving us a a, a story, and no, it means it means kingly, kingly, powerful, rich prince. The name is usually taken to mean sole ruler, autocrat. Or eternal ruler, ever powerful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, we're gonna be taking yeah. some this. I mean, come on, man. I don't know. I, I I think I'll be sweeping floors on the other side, guys. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, won't we all I'll be know, fixing the plumbing? You do have that Smith element, you know. And so it reminds me of the Matrix, you know, Smith. Yeah. Mr. Smith. Oh, Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah. I forget what Smith is. That's more like smite or to strike. You know. <laughs> well, God, all all this. Striking and judging, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. Kind of my personality, though. Ah, you're okay. No, nope. okay. Tell yeah. you otherwise, someone has to be the ministry of uh, of judgments, and yeah, I, I'm kind we, of figuring that because that's what I'm good at. Active, and we do have an active role as being children of God. That's part of our job as being His children, being part of the divine council. As, uh, um, yep. Um, Dr. Mike Heiser would say. So um, there you have it. There's your, you know, you are the ministry of judgment in heaven uh, or, you know, for eternal ruler. Me, I'm going to just be planting seeds. I'll be Jimmy Appleseed. I'll just be planting all kinds of seeds of uh, overturning the powers of darkness by planting seeds. I'm happy with that. There you I'm go. Good with like I said, I'm happy just to make it into sweep floors. Yeah, the same way. <laughs> Well, here what rank I get. Right. I I am I'm sorry, but I'm greedy for God. I do care. I want to. I don't want to just walk on the streets of gold. I want to be walking on the inner circuit with God to be His inner circle of um, the inner court. Yeah, I want to be in the inner court. So I mean, I'm working hard for it. I'm denying a lot of stuff that I could be, you know, um, having now. 
by investing in the other kingdom, not in Pinocchio world. I don't want to invest in Pinocchio world. It's not real. It's not going anywhere except burning up and being a lake of fire. So why do I want to invest here? I'll invest over there where I hear that the benefits are out of this world. They're, right. Right. I love it. So I'll, I'll work with, so so I'm not going to settle for. I mean, yes, I'd be happy just to be in there, sweeping a broom, eternal janitor. That's good. At least I made it to heaven. But I want more than that. I I've denied so much here now that I'm really expecting, you know, to get my my little home. It's going to be out in the country, definitely on the water, some kind of water, and but it's going to look like a little furry hobbit house. Yeah. It's going to be uh-huh. one of them space time things. As soon as you go in, man, I'm going to have the biggest museum that uh, anywhere. I'm going to have stuff from every dimension, from every uh, time period, from everywhere. You know, I'll probably get all the stuff that Time Bandit stole. I'll, I'll I'll get their stuff, but I'll get it from all different variations of every from the multiverse. All the biggest yeah. museum in the world. I could geek out on something like that. It'd be a space time thing. You go, it'd be like uh, going into the Tartarus. It's a little little police box, but you go inside and the thing's huge. It's just it's not an outhouse. I've been using it for that the whole time. We had a parody for a while. What was? Oh my gosh, what was that? It was um, a doctor uh, something in the porta potty of doom. Yeah. Yeah, dog got it. What was it? Uh, I can't even remember the parody now, but it was it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was. We were gonna make a whole. Uh, we were gonna uh, do a whole. So we never did. But I yeah. mean, but. Just you and me bantering back and forth, we created all kinds of hilarious stuff. Scenarios and the whole nine yards. Hey, is today yeah. a holiday or something that I don't know about? Um, I think so. Is it? I, could it be January? What's that one that I, I June Juneteenth or something or uh, Juneteenth? Yeah, Juneteenth. Yeah. No, Juneteenth or July nineteenth or uh, June June nineteenth. Is that a Mandela effect thing or something? It so many people. Had that, you know. I mean, some, well, it's the first I ever heard of it, and I grew up in in, in Brightmore. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Wood. Uh, I've been working within the black community for you know five years, and nobody ever told me about that Juneteenth. I never well, heard of it. Or, we we have a listener, and I won't say their name, um, but they said that it says for your information in Brooklyn, New York, and even upstate New York in woodsy places, there are firecrackers going off. At night, it sounds like a war. It's very unnerving. You know, there there are a lot of terrorist training camps up in upstate New York, and I'm wondering if they're going in and clearing them out. Ooh, this could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, so oh, you thank know, you for sending that, that. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yes, thank my, you. Did you see my post from last year's Fourth uh, of July on my roof? No, I, I did. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you, Roseville loves their fireworks. And this year, um, because almost all the major cities are not having any opening up and having the fireworks, the Detroit downtown Detroit fireworks are not going to be. So now all of a sudden, uh, the fireworks company's got a huge, abundant amount of supplies of overstocked fireworks. Now they're offering buy one, get one free. You know, with this order, you get this and you get all this stuff free. So roseville loves their fireworks from the time it started to get dusk until about 12 30 one o'clock in the morning i didn't stay up i got too tired i got burned out i'm on my roof and in 390 uh, 380 degree circle i could see fireworks non-stop coming from every direction all night long continuous 
no breaks or anything. This is just continuous, a big shot. It's the biggest display of fireworks I've ever seen. This year, it's even going to be bigger. So last year, I said, okay, next year, roof party, my house, 4th of July. I'm having one. And you know what? It's so far, it seems like it's going to be a pretty big turnout. That is pretty neat. I yeah. thought only four or five people were going to come. It seems like I got, you know, it's like, I can't have over 25 people. I think maybe we could have work problems. So I don't, right. I don't think there'll be that many, but there's going to be quite a few people and uh, it's going to be fun. I got green carpet up there now. Now, the thing is, my landlord is resurfacing the top the second week of uh, August. I uh-huh. have to have every last thing gone. So oh, I, wow. I talk. I talked to my son. He says, Dad, you know, I'll have a little extra. We'll go ahead and make a – we'll get a rental just down the road so that way you can start moving stuff now a little bit at a time, and that way um, it'll all be gone by the time it needs to be gone. I go, you know what? That sounds like the – so we're talking maybe $150, $200 for a month and a half, and it'll all go away, and then I can bring it back later. So, yeah, that works. It's you good. Know, the fireworks things reminds me of a funny story, and since we're on funny stories tonight, um, uh, several years ago, I used to live uh, not too far from Travis Air Force Base down in California, and that's where we would go for uh, fireworks. They, they put on a spectacular show down there, and it's the federal government, so they can do whatever they want. You know, nobody cares. So anyway, we were, um, I had a pickup truck at the time, and we were all sitting in the back of the truck, and there was other trucks backed up along, you know, on either, either side of me, probably going down about maybe 15 or 20 trucks on each side. And um, so we started this thing, and uh, when the firework would go up, I, our truck would go, ooh, and then all the trucks around, ooh, you know. And so we were <laughs> kind of the leaders. And so, you know, we got this thing really going, ooh, ah, and then I yelled out, we yelled out praise the lord and you can hear from both sides praise the and then it stopped (laughs) i almost got them to say it i almost got them to say praise the lord but it didn't work (laughs) it was was hilarious they all stopped right at the same place (laughs) never heard of it oh my gosh praise uh, to the unknown god yeah right (laughs) But uh, I think the uh, most of the uh, celebrations are canceled this year around here anyway. Yeah. Um, they're too afraid uh, Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Katie Brown won't let us get together, I guess, for that. But, um, you know, of all the states, though, we do have, I think, some of the least restrictions that uh, anyway on the West Coast, I should say. Um, and, you know, we, we do have some – there's still some people supposedly coming down with it. Um, and I say supposedly because I don't know. You know, I don't know what to believe anymore with this. I just well, go ahead, Derek. I, I'm a again. I won't say what hospital system I'm part. Uh, I work for, but in my area, it has not all of their modeling and stuff that they had in place. Is, it's not panning out. Um, yeah, you know the amount of infected and the amount of deaths that they expected right. to. Uh, I know one hospital system has no more than maybe. A hundred people that are, you know, on, you know, require critical care at a time. Right. So it's just not manifesting beyond that um, in large quantities. I mean, yes, there's still being reported cases and stuff like that, but it's just not, it's not playing out as, you know, what was predicted. 
So, well, you, you, I don't know if you know this, but in New York, um, and Eric, I know you keep up on this stuff, so I'm, I'm probably yeah. preaching to the choir. But um, in New York, what they were doing is if you got went into the hospital with just about anything, they were clear, they were classifying it as COVID related. And they were also taking COVID patients that were known infected and moving them into nursing homes. Yeah, that's right. In upstate in to, New York. Mm-hmm. And it's it's picking off a lot of people in nursing homes. Yeah. Um, uh, just because they, you know, they're much older, they have uh, compromised immune systems, so they're more susceptible to getting sick and dying. So this yeah, was done on purpose. Oh yeah, it I, was. There's there's a nurse. Heard. I'm sorry. There there's a there's a nurse on um, on YouTube, and I can't remember her name. It's something Marie something, and um, she uh, was actually working in. Um, I want to say Bensonhurst. I'm not so sure. That's the name of it. A hospital in New York City in one of the boroughs. And uh, they were taking, it was a COVID-only hospital. And so they were just, but they were taking in people that were not sick with COVID and automatically labeling them as COVID. And in many cases, sticking them right on ventilators, even though they didn't need it. And they have something called a DNR. And I know you know what that means, Eric. Do not resuscitate. Yep. And so yep. patients, patients that were coming in with DNRs, um, let me see if I get this. Uh, actually, patients that weren't coming in with DNRs, you know, that wanted to be resuscitated if anything happened, the hospital um, was changing it to to DNR. So if they coded or something, they were not they were not taken care of. They were just let to die. And wow. this nurse was furious with this. You know, she's like, I'm a nurse. If that person's going to, she goes, if that person's going to go into a code, I'm getting on its chest and I'm, I'm giving them CPR. You know, I don't care what the hospital says and I don't care what anybody says. I'm a nurse and I have to do this. It's, it's part of my job. You know, it's you wonder what has happened to her. yeah, I was wondering too. Her uh, videos are still on, um, on YouTube, which I really find surprising, but they're way down there. You know, when you when you oh, look, yeah. you're like on the fourth or fifth page that you search. And, you know, I just pray for her because, you know, she, I wouldn't be surprised if she met with some kind of accident. You know, her brakes failed or, you know, she was mugged by somebody in an alley when she got off of work, you know, and she died or something. But, um, yeah, okay, let's see. Yeah, it's Elmhurst. It's in Elmhurst, New York. It's... Uh, yeah, it's Elmhurst, Queens, is what our, our one of our people is saying on the on the chat room, and um, so anyway, it's um, you know as a nurse, you know we 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 have to one of the first things we ask is, do, are you in pain? That's that's what's drummed into us because pain is a very serious symptom, and you want to alleviate pain as soon as you can. Nowadays, that's kind of hard to do with all the you know the this supposed crisis, this narcotic opiate crisis which i don't think exists but um anyway uh and then the second thing is um uh you know taking care of them uh, thou shall do no harm you know and so if there's anything that's going to cause a patient to get worse or uh, will cause them any kind of harm you don't do that and and changing a patient to to a dnr is definitely harm it's illegal and it's murder it's what it is and um, so, you know, from a nurse's point of view, watching this, it really upset me. It's upset me extremely bad. And that's not good when you're watching it at like at 1130 at night. And you still got to go to bed because then you can't go to bed because you're mad, you know. But um, so this whole thing is being played up. I think I don't deny that there's something out there that that they're calling COVID virus. 
I don't deny it's out there. I don't deny that it's a problem. But, um, you know, I think that there are things in out there like the flu and, and other uh, viruses that are that are just as bad. And, and and let's face it, if a person is is immunocompromised or you know they have underlying conditions like diabetes or heart disease or something like that, there there is a a, a need to be concerned and be cautious, you know. But uh, somebody made a comment the other day. It used to be that quarantine was for sick people, you know. If they were sick, you quarantined them. But they're doing the opposite. They're quarantining healthy people along with the sick people, which causes the sick people to, or the healthy people to become sick because they're quarantined with the sick people. You know, that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Um, maybe it makes sense to other people, but I don't see it. I have a nurse friend of mine. She's an author. I got two of her books in my um, <clears throat> in my museum. Uh, one of them's got me in it. Um, she just gave a series of um testimonies of people that come to Christ and so she included mine in there but I've known her for uh 5 years she's a combat uh veteran from the war in Afghanistan she was in the covid ward in a major hospital that was considered an epicenter hospital um and she was a senior um supervisor in in the covid ward she was promised all kinds of um even an honorary bachelor's degree, she was going to get all kinds of special pay and everything else for, you know, for enduring this time if she survived. Um, and now they got all the employees together. They told them, this is how things happened. This you did not see. This did not exist. If you say anything, you will never work in a hospital again. We will destroy your lives. Yeah. You are reprogramming everything that you learn, and this is how you're going to spin it, or you're not going to be working in the medical field anymore. They yeah. are being threatened and intimidated. You know what? My dear friend is a fighter. She will go down to her death to get the truth out. She's already got her book written. She's ready to uh, have it published, and it's in a complete exposure of what is going on from the inside, from her level of uh, uh, you know, position. And she's going to do it, by golly. And right. uh, uh, maybe we can have her come on the program because I, I want to. That would be the awesome. Higher, the higher profile we can keep her, the safer she's going to be. But That's she's right. already told, she's already confided to me. She's, Jim, I've got no choice. I've got to do this. Right. I don't care what happens to me. I This has to come out. This has to be known. All of it is so full of BS. She said, Jim, you wouldn't even believe it. I don't even know where to begin, even with you. And you know about this stuff. And I said, you know what? No, I, I do. And yeah, you you need to have. She's coming to my uh, party. So I'm going to um, introduce her to all my other friends who doesn't know her. Um, she's uh, now she's known me back when I got kidnapped my own Bible study. Remember? <laughs> she was, oh, yeah. She was part of that. But she was one that defended me and and stood for the truth. And stood by me. So this is the least I can do to pay her back for, um, you know, for her part, which for what she did in my life. And now I can kind of help her too. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I know she'll come on the program. She, um, she would love to have the opportunity to do that. She's already been on one program and the guy was very graceful, but he was fed a lot of stuff that all of us are fed. Well, what about that? I heard that most of the staff are, you know, she's, well, no, that's not what I experienced. As a matter of right. fact, it's quite opposite. Oh, really? And then he, you know, but he was very gracious with, he was, she was having to correct a lot of the garbage that we get from the regular 
news. I mean, my God, the news is lying so bad they can't even defend their own lies. So now they got to have their own fact checking, which is right. more lies on top of the other lies to prove, see, we're not lying. Here's our experts. And they come, oh, well, it was on TV and it's got to be so, you know, man, it's so, mm -hmm. they're lying so much. I can't even listen to all of it. I listen no, to a I little. Can't either. I listen to enough because I have to know what kind of spin they're putting on things so I know what, how to refute it. But man, it drains me spiritually. I can't watch more than a half an hour of it. I feel like I've just ate out of a toilet, you know, and it's not very healthy. Well, Mark Taylor echoed to not watch the mainstream media. Turn yeah. it off. Yeah. Oh, get I know. It from, get it from Q. Get it from elsewhere because it's. Yep. it's he was saying that was there was something in it that was uh, spiritually. Uh, Limitable in like subliminable uh, suggestions or something. I, well, it, it was spiritually darkening. Like I noticed, well, yeah. there's certain people that you know all they watch is CNN and they're just they're frightened out of their minds, wearing their masks and yeah. oh. they don't know what to do and they're just you know running blind. Right. By the way, the name of that nurse. <laughs> that's funny. I just had it up here. Um, her name is Erin E R I N Marie. It's common spelling. Um, and it's spelled O-L-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. Polish names are always hard to pronounce. Yeah. So, and it's called the Undercover Epicenter Nurse. So it's an hour, about an hour and 10 minutes. Oh. And I would suggest that everybody watch it because it's, it's going to blow your mind. Um, uh, the laws that are being broken, the people that are actually being murdered in the name of the hospital getting more money because they get extra money if they have a COVID patient in their hospital. Oh, boy. Hey, you got that little yeah. thing, you bring up names and everything. How about looking up Rita McDowell? Okay, let me um, let me write it down. Okay. Um, i got to find paper. <laughs> it's funny, I always <laughs> have paper in front of me. No, no. Okay, R-I-T-A, right? Yep, and McDowell. And I'm not sure how you spell McDowell. I see if I can grab her... Now, is that her birth name? Because it's important to have the exact birth name. Like, is Rita Margarita? Or, hey, here, uh, hey. Oh, it's Rita Louise McDonald. How did I get it? Oh, McDonald. Sorry, Rita. Like that restaurant? Yeah, yeah. you're, you're yeah. thinking of uh, um, Coming to America. Remember that movie? Yeah. Like yeah. McDonald's. Right, and, right. McDowell, or I think it was the name of the knockoff McDonald's he had stolen. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It must be the how to run the restaurant or whatever, but they was called McDowell's. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. That's so funny. It's Rita Louise, L-O-U-I-S-E, and McDonald's just like McDonald's. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um. If she's a if she's a righteous person, there's probably only good things about her. Oh, she she is, man. She is. I'll tell you, um, she's an awesome woman, man. She's I consider her one of my best buddies. We used to go out on Veterans Day every day together to get a free meal, and um, we just you know we're like brother and sister. We just have a great relationship, and uh, you know she's a combat vet from Afghanistan. Um, she's seen it all and done it all, and and uh, she's. A kind that is, what I like about her, she, she's, she's a type A woman. She's assertive, but she's not overbearing. She's very generous. She's very, um, <laughs> she's, <laughs> when all that weirdness was going on with my Bible study, she was my Calvinist spy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, they were trying to cast a Calvinist spirit out of me, but she was, she was, she goes to one of the largest Baptist churches that is almost a full gospel Baptist church. I met their head, the, um, I guess you might say their theologian, and I met him in a doctor's office, and I didn't even know that he was connected to her church. And I'm sitting there, we're just talking back and forth and talking about, you know, all kinds of stuff about the Lord and everything. And then later on, um, Rita said, oh, well, you need to talk to our, you know, our, like, ministry, you know, theologian guy. And uh, she, so she went to him and she says, oh, I met him and the doctors. Yeah, that guy's pretty cool, man. He says, you want to get us together? Yeah, well, I'd love to meet him. And I said, yeah. And I said, oh, Rita, that was him? Yeah, we had a great time of fellowship, man. He's you, Your church is pretty right on. So when are you going to have you guys the day of Pentecost? I mean, my God, you believe everything. You're open to it. They're open to speaking in tongues. This is about a 500 member Baptist church, one of the largest Baptist churches downriver area. I bet you they're independent. I bet you they're not affiliated with any Baptist. I bet they aren't anymore, not when they believe in speaking in tongues, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> man, oh, if, man. If they were the denomination, they're probably not anymore. No, they they are so well, you know, and it was a progression thing. They realized that that healing was for here today. They realized that all the other gifts are today, here for today. And it came down to what about this tongue thing? Well, you know what? Look at what the scriptures really do say. It's still here. And we better, we need this. We need to learn more about it. Right. So then it me. So it's like, wow, man, this is, you know, so she's she's been my undercover Calvinist spy. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> cute. Try to cast a spirit of calvinism out of you seriously yeah <laughs> so when when they were when they were attempting all these plots they were coming to her thinking she was on their side mm-hmm. and she's just because she knew one of them as a waitress they were oh this more twilight stuff you don't make it up man we were oh gosh that is so weird just the, their background and history and everything was just so uncanny uh, the one woman, she ended up being a, a part of a Wiccan coven, and she infiltrated our ministry and was swaying people over, you know. And I had, I mean, I'm, I'm just so trusting to the point of being a little bit naive in some senses. I take people for, um, I don't anymore. You learn from experience. I, believe me, I can get a whole bunch of people that are pretty smart and connect dots, but if all they know is about God and not knowing him intimately, I'm not going to do that mistake again. Right, um, right. But, uh, yeah, it was funny. They were confiding in her. And so she's coming back to me and says, well, you know what? This is, their, you know, my gosh, they're watching you. They're following you. They're, they're watching you on the Internet all the time. I said, yeah, I kind of figured that. But, you know, I'm not worried about it. The Lord keeps me one step ahead of uh, Satan all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of that bunch, one of them is not even human. One of them is a Nephilim. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Uh, and I don't know which one yet, and I don't care to know. You know, it's just it, they're gone. They're not going to come back and influence anything. I'm being very cautious on my trail and, you know, kind of learn from experience. But, you know, that to me, it's like, well, I guess I should actually be feeling honored that I'm that much of a threat to the power of darkness that they had to send a, a nephew along with a, a, a bunch of their human flunkies to try to overturn the boat. And it didn't work. That's right. I'm still here. Where are you guys? <laughs> Scared. <laughs> Oh goodness! Pumpkin time. Yeah, I kind that of warn you. So. <laughs> hey, you know what? This has been a pretty good show. Yeah, it has been. I really enjoyed it. 
We addressed everything we wanted to address and, and even more. And that was good. And we threw a lot of levity into it, too. I think that's a lot of people like that. Oh, you know? you've got to anymore. Man, if you can't keep, you know, it says that, uh, med- you know, laughter is a, a merriment of the heart. It's medicine to your heart. And if you can't feel confident enough, and I think that's, I hope, what we're portraying. We're not trying to lighten stuff that's very serious, but you've got to be able to see the humorous side of it in order to get through this. Um, this is part, for me, it's part of my way to emotionally work through the horrendous crap that we have to go through. you got to see the funny side of everything. God laughs and mocks at the um, at the usurpers trying to overthrow him. He laughs at him. He says, <laughs> the created is never going to overcome the creator. What is the matter with you people? You're idiots. I'm laughing. I'm mocking you. Um, so why can't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can exactly. mock them. Um, we're looking at losers. They don't win. We do. We've already won. And we need to realize that they've already lost. They're not going to realize it. They don't see it coming until it hits them right in reality. When they are thrown into that lake of fire. Hey, this is your eternal realm. This is what you wanted. And this is what you created. This is what you got. Bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pork rinds in Nevada. Yeah, right. <laughs> Try, guy. All of eternity. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that that second death is mentioned. Who's second death? Well, all those poor creatures that were, what, silicone-based, part of the computer program, they had no choice in the matter. So God, in his infinite mercy, allows them to go poof. They didn't accept the mark of the beast. They didn't accept Jesus. They couldn't because they're not even his. But part of a computer program, I imagine whatever hell is, it's not a fun place. And if they knew that now they were going to make it all go away, as if they never existed, that would be preferable to being with that guy for all of eternity, listening to him all of eternity. You know what? I'd rather not even exist. Thank you, God, in your mercy. That's all you can do with me, and I'm happy with it. Yeah. So that's what, you know, it's, it's so funny because the um, the Armenian theological camp says, that's just, that's not right. That's not fair. You know, no, it is fair. That's where, you know, I think... Even they in their camp is changing um, where they see that there are two seeds and we have to deal. They have to deal with it. So it's easy for a, a it's easy for a Calvinist to understand two seeds. That's part of their, you know, tulip five point uh, uh, belief system. But for an Arminius, this is traumatic. Two seeds, two literal seeds. Really? Yeah, that's right. Jesus kind of made it quite clear. And with with understanding the Nephilim and the Gabor in Genesis six. It begins to allow them to see that wow, there really is. Uh huh. A lot of the other stuff is starting to make sense for them. So, see, slowly, I think theologically, we're all getting on the same page because we're all seeing how each one of us has an element of truth. Yeah. There's not any one person is all wrong. You got a part. He's got a part. They got a part. Let's come together and look. We got the whole picture now. Mm-hmm. God is so slick at how he does that. That's so cool. Yeah, he does. So here's a movie, everybody. If you want to see something after we're gone and you're still up and wanting to drink too much coffee or whatever, and you're still up for a couple more hours, get Making Time. Free on Amazon Prime if you got Amazon Prime. Making Good. Time is a movie that is going to be – it. it's not even a Christian movie, but it's got Christian values. It's got Christian um, – the the thing – it's a chick flick, man, but listen, sometimes chick flicks are fun. This one – the predominant thing isn't the space, time, the multi-universe. It includes all that stuff, and it includes the guy who came from 
Shelby Township, Michigan. Who makes a movie from Shelby Township, Michigan? Nobody. So <laughs> it's awesome. The love part is well. There's awesome. one guy, but they keep taking him off of face of uh, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you mean that really weirdo guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Time oh. travel guy. Yeah, are you going to put your Are you going to put your stuff on BitChute? You know what? I I did. I got ten of them, but now I got to redo them, and I haven't gotten around to doing it. Yet. I even haven't even gotten on MeWe or whatever they call. It. I haven't done that yet. Maybe, um, yeah. Got. I've got. 42, let's see, 35, how many do I got? I got, I think, 42 videos on a uh, 64 gigabyte um, thumb drive or something, zip uh, zip drive, and and a PDF file in my book, which actually represents my entire work, um, my entire ministry's work. On that one thing, I was going to ask for a suggested price of meaning, you know, that each one of the videos pricing them at four dollars a piece would come to one hundred and twenty dollars for the whole thing. But I want these out so bad. And I realize that right now everybody's just getting back to work. Nobody's got any money. So I just want these things to get out there viral. I can't have them on YouTube. Then you know what? I want to give them away. I'm going to give them away to a donated price. The suggestion would be 120 If you don't have it, I don't care if you only got $50. Give that to me. Give right. whatever you afford, and I will gladly give you this video. Um, my life's work on video. The only thing you got to promise me, I have the copyright. I'm not telling anybody. You know, I wouldn't want you to resell them. That wouldn't be right. But you know what? If you promise me, you'll give them away to your friends, enemies, and everybody else in between. And right. make as many copies as you want. Give them out there to um, – to everybody like tracks, then if you'll promise to do that, you can have it for whatever price you can afford. I will gladly send one to you. I just got to at least break even on them, you know. Jim, how are you supposed to make millions of dollars if you do that? You know, because, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's sowing uh, and reaping. If I have freely given and I freely give away, God's got my back. He's going to cover me. Somebody's going to come by and say, oh, I really like what you're doing, and I hear you need a vehicle, and so here's the money. Go get your vehicle. I mean, whatever I need, God always takes care of the needs. Um, That's going to work out. But, you know, he did promise me. He told me, Jim, your book is going to sell pretty good for for what it is, and it's a self-published book. Uh, The average self-published book only sells about 250 copies in its lifetime. I have given away that many copies. I've had Uh thousands copies out uh in the in the last 20 years that it's existed now that book is more relevant today than it was when i first wrote it because everything i've said in there so far has come to pass now it's got a new level of credibility people are rediscovering the book the lord told me that when this trigger happens for this new age rapture thing whenever that trigger goes he says my book is going to sell like the late great planet earth sold in uh 1974 now date when i got saved from that book um, we don't agree with all the eschatology, but thank God he had the plan of salvation in there. Mm-hmm. And you and I are in a kingdom today because of that book. Yeah, that's right. I, I kind of think that when this happens, my book is going to sell like the late great planet Earth. Are you kidding me? That means it's going to build up to at least $4 million if it's a million seller for what I get. But I, have, I own the copyrights, so I'm going to go to iUniverse and say, you know what? We need to renegotiate our policy here. I get at least 50% or I find a new publisher. Bye-bye. There you go. There you oh, go. and they, 
they, I know they will do it. You know, if you're getting that kind of volume and that kind of money, um, it'll work out. It's going to work out for everybody. If I do have that, um, there are so many ministries, so many people. God has shown me by living in the poverty that I'm living in, he's shown me how to give money out, not blindly, not being uh, an enabler to people, but giving it out to those who know how to wisely reinvest the kingdom way. Right. So there's an accountability you're going to get because you've shown that you are a team player. You've shown that you have good work ethics. You've shown that you have a good sense of morality and you understand the kingdom way of letting money flow through you. It's not yours, but it's God's to share and distribute where you want. So that means you're going to do the same thing that I'm doing for you. You're going to use some of that money to bless someone else the way I'm blessing you and giving you opportunity to pursue ministry that you never would have had the opportunity, but you've already proven yourself by your integrity. That's, that's right. the way. That's the way I'm going to do it. So you know what? I'll remember my friends, but I'm going to also remember my enemies. I may bless you if that's what God has me to do, and I may forgive you, but I don't have to be your friend. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so all you all you plagiarizers out there that took advantage of me and did plagiarize, I'll remember. Mm-hmm. I can forgive exactly. you. I want your problem being my problem, but you know what? I don't have to be your friend. <clears throat> Stephen Quill. <clears throat> what did what, what, you say there? Stephen Qu- St- uh, Steve Quayle. Oh, oh, stop that. I didn't say yeah. anything. Oh. He came out with a book about some revelations about, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, what's oh, in Antarctica. Oh, wait. That was already written long yeah. ago. I'm afraid that it's already come back and, and bit him to a certain extreme where some of the younger kids they go, wait a minute, that's an exact quote from Wilhelm's book. What? How come, how come you don't mention him? Yeah. 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 Oh. So I, I don't know. Let yeah, go ahead. And people have asked me, I said, well, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? I, I don't know. I don't talk to the guy. I don't, I don't know anything about him really. I don't know. Okay, guys. Maybe we should wrap it up and, uh, wrap it up. I got, I got to go do something. So. I got to leave. So, but, um, hey, it's been a pleasure being with you guys again this Monday. And, uh, look forward to next Monday. What? I said it's been great and I can't wait till next week. Who knows? I mean, from week to week, who knows what the heck we're going to be talking about? It's, it's so much fun. It's just, I just don't know what it, God is so cool. Yeah. Well, with everything that's going on, who knows? You know, (laughs) but, um, Hey, Lord, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for this show. We thank you for our audience. We thank you for for all the revelations that you brought forth and for all the uh, all the answers that were, were brought to people. And we don't even know what their questions were. Um, we know that you work in mysterious ways and that you work in wonderful ways and that your will is always accomplished. So we thank you for that. And we just um, we just turn over this show to you. Let it be prosperous. Let it uh prosperous for you not for us i don't care about money but um just let it be prosperous in in that people will just glean a lot of things from the things that have been said and uh thank you again for the opportunity lord and thank you for uh for eric and for jim and uh for their friend their friendship and their their brotherhood and and everything that uh that we all share together and uh, we just uh, pray for our show next week that you'll give us a topic and that it'll be something that'll just blow the socks off everybody. So we just thank you and uh, and bless you and praise your name, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good night, guys. Good night, y'all. Everybody. Talk to you Take later. Care. Good night.